Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Our memory verse, 1 Peter 5.10. Let's stand as we read it together after you have suffered. Ready? After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Amen. And as you're being seated, greet each other again and hug them and love them and tell them how much you care about them. All right. Or if you're two men, don't hug. Just kind of look at it. Okay, yeah, that's right. All right. We're in our uh, series, Masterpiece in Progress. We'll be in the book of Ephesians again today. Ephesians chapter 3, if you have those Bibles, turn there. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And uh, we're going to read that together uh, before we launch into it. I could remember where it is. There it is. Chapter 3. Very good. Paul's been challenging us in chapter 1. He talked about, you know, the blessings that we have. And then in chapter 2, he began to challenge them and remind them where they had come from. And now in chapter 3... He continues his encouragement, but now he's laying out a challenge. And the challenge is to the church. Because he wants the church to be strong. He wants the church to be active. He wants the church to realize the calling that they have. So who is the church, by the way? That's us. It's not the building. This is just kind of where we gather. But the church is us. Now, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the church building was the most important piece. Because it was the temple. That's where God resided. was in the temple. Now, we are the temple. Do you understand that? You become a Christian, you become the temple of God. So God is in you. And so Paul is encouraging us in, this, in our passages today to be active, proactive in your faith. So, let's read together, uh, beginning in verse 1, chapter 3, verses 1 through verse 12. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promises in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, 
and to make all people see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Powerful reading of the God's Word. What is Paul talking about? And what's he trying to say to us? In verse 9, you'll notice that he, he, he lists to make plain or to bring to light. So what, God, what he's trying to do then is reveal to us and help us understand more fully this mystery of salvation. Through the gospel of Christ. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So, there's four aspects of it. Number one, he wanted us, I wanted you to see his message. Paul had a message. In verses 6 and 7, it mentions the word gospel. See, Paul didn't ask and wasn't asked to volunteer to give it to me to, to us. He was commanded of God to give it to us. Go out and give people this message. It's the same instruction that you and I have. In Matthew 28, Acts 1, we're told to take the message to people. Go, therefore, and preach the gospel. We're supposed to do it. Nobody else is going to do it. It's not going to just happen. Now, God, in His great omniscience, He could do it. His omnipresence, He could do it. A voice from heaven could speak every day, Listen to me. (laughs) And how many people would not listen to Him? Millions. Millions. When He walked on the earth, when God walked on the earth in the form of Jesus Christ, Many did not listen to him. Few listened. Thus we have the illustration of the broad road that leads to destruction and the narrow road that leads to life. But Paul was to strive. What does it mean to strive? To battle. To fight. To stay with it. Don't quit. Oh, I thought North Carolina was going to beat Clemson yesterday. Whoa, they got down to the last play of the game. Two-point conversion. Would have done it. They'd have beat them by one point. But they didn't make it. But that didn't mean they didn't strive. They played an excellent ball game. They played a very good football team. Almost beat them. But you've got to strive for it. Uh, Kim's in recovery with that knee, and it takes a while. It's a slow process. I'd never thought I'd be in a cast for three months, but here I am. It's okay. Every time we take the cast off, that hole on top of my foot gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Hallelujah. But you've got to strive. You've got to just keep working at it. Amen? You can't quit. Don't, don't stop. Don't slow down. And that's what he's saying here. See, Paul, he was a prisoner in Rome, but he was not of Rome. 
according to verse 1. His message had a direction. It had an audience. And he was sent to bring the message in verse 1 and verse 6 to the Gentiles. To us. You're not a Jew. You're a Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So the message was brought for us. He then reiterates that in, by, the, by the word we in verse 12. And the idea here is that the gospel is universal. And it's available universally to everybody who will listen and respond to the message. And he's given it to us, the church, as an assignment to carry out and to bring it to all the world. We're to be a light in the darkness of the world. A story is told of a couple who had a son who was 11 and a daughter who was 7. And they went to Carlsbad Caverns. Any of you been to Carlsbad Caverns? As the tour got deeper into the cavern, the guide would turn the lights off. And you're enveloped then in total darkness. And it became frightening. And the little girl became frightened and began to cry. And her her brother immediately said, so she heard his voice. He said, don't cry. Somebody here knows how to turn on the lights. You see, that's the truth of Scripture. You and I have the switch to turn the light of gospel on in people's life. But we have to flip the switch. Right? We've got to do it. We've got to do it. So, we have a message. And then he goes, he picks it up in verse 3, through verse 6, and then in verse 9, talking about this mystery. How the gospel... The salvation message of Christ is a mystery. And to the Jew, it was a mystery. Because they were used to having Ten Commandments. Their whole life was regimented with checklists. And through Jesus on the cross, the checklist was gone. I don't need a checklist anymore. Why? Because now I'm saved by the grace of God. However, that freedom creates more responsibility. And therein lies the struggle. I love all the talk today about socialism by people who have no idea what it means. But boy, it sounds great, doesn't it? Everything's free. Doesn't cost you a thing. Show up. Boy, just hand it to you. Show me one place in the world where socialism is practiced today that people are fighting to get into it, to that country. Any of them? None of them. None of them. How many of you are ready to pack up and move to Venezuela? You can't even buy food on the black market in Venezuela anymore. I was talking to Gary and Sherry's son-in-law. He's from there. And how terrible it is. He had to move his parents to Columbia. It doesn't sound like a great move to me, but out of not being able to feed themselves, 
Yes. Sad. But it's the same hunger that people truly have deep in their heart for God, but they don't even know it yet until we take that mystery and unveil it for them. And Paul's vision for the church, it's the same vision that you and I should have, and that we have the mystery. We've uncovered the mystery. Now let's share that mystery with people. Because it's a treasure. It's a treasure. Oftentimes, church and church attendance are equated with uh, sports. You'll see uh, preachers make the analogy. And one preacher did that. And, and I want to share it with you. It's really interesting because it's, it, it's full of excuses why people don't come to church. You've heard them, haven't you? Well, here's a different take on it, but means the same thing. Football in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the spring and summer. This pastor has been an avid sports fan all of his life, but he said, I quit. I quit this sport business once and for all. You can't get me near one of those places ever again. And here's why. Every time I went, they asked for more money. The people who I had to sit sit with didn't seem very friendly. The seats were too hard, not not at all comfortable. I went to many games, but the coach never came and called on me. Referee made a decision which with which I couldn't agree. I suspected that I was sitting with some hypocrites. <laughs> they came. They came to see their friends and what others were wearing rather than really to see the game. Some games went into overtime and I was late getting home. The band played some numbers that I'd never heard before. Seems that the games are scheduled when I want to do other things. I was taken to too many games by my parents when I was growing up. I love this one. I don't want to take my kids to any games because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they're going to play and what sport they like best. Great analogy of the church. That's the way people talk about the church. And yet, this mystery that Paul is describing, this mystery of salvation, death, burial, resurrection of Christ, this mystery, we know about it. We ought to be telling people about it. It's not mysterious to us. So we've got a message. And though it was a mysterious message, we have it revealed to us and we already know what it is. Now we've got to have, and Paul picks it up, number three, is what's the motivation? What motivates you to want to share that message and to unveil that mystery? In verses 2, verse 7, and verse 8, Paul gives the grace that it takes to carry out this ministry. Notice what he says in verse 8 about how God graced Paul's life. He's graced each of our lives, hasn't he? It's by the grace of God you and I have any hope at all. And it's when we understand and embrace the grace of God that we're going to have a chance then to turn around and share it with other people. Because it's something that's impacted us. And when it's impacting us, it should impact others. 
But what happens is that impact begins to lose its effect. We get complacent. As time marches on, and we've been a Christian for a long time, we kind of forget from whence we come. We forget about the sin that we, we used to commit. Some of us still struggle with. But nevertheless, we tend to forget about these things. And so we think, eh, eh, God will understand. Yeah, God will understand. When you do the right things, good things are going to happen. Also in verse 8, we see that Paul was very humble by the grace of God. And God's grace should humble us, shouldn't it? It should make us realize, again, from where we came to where we are today, only because of His grace. And because of that, because we've tasted that grace, we should be able to extend it to other people. And we should extend it to other people. Stories told of General Stonewall Jackson. He found his army on one side of a river when it needed to be on the other side of the river. So he told his engineers to plan and to build a bridge so the army could cross. He called the wagon master uh, in and told him uh, that it was urgent that the wagon train cross the river as soon as possible. And the wagon master started gathering all the logs, rocks, fence rails that he could find. And he built a bridge. Long before daylight, General Jackson was told by the wagon master all the wagons and artillery had crossed the river. General Jackson asked, where are the engineers and what are they doing? The wagon master's only reply was, well, they were still in their tent drawing up plans for the bridge. See, that's what happens to us in the church. Is that we talk about things, but we don't put legs to our prayers. You've got to put some legs to those prayers. You've got to put legs to that message. You've got to get beyond yourself to give it to somebody else. You can do it in a grocery checkout line. Uh, you can do it in Walmart while you're waiting for the two uh, registers to come open for somebody to help you. Uh, I saw a funny thing the other day on Facebook. It said uh, uh, Walmart will be closed on Christmas Day so both of its, uh, its checkers can have a Christmas with their family. Sometimes it's true, isn't it? But we've got to put some legs to our prayers. We've got to put legs to our statements. Jesus said, go, therefore, and preach to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We are to go. 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 That's an action word. You can't go and just sit. You've got to go and you've got to be able to talk. I have people all the time tell me as the older they get, the less uh, effective they believe they are. Well, I just don't really, I just, I'm just not worth much anymore. And I always tell them, as long as you can pray, you're effective. 
Because when you pray, you take it out of the physical realm and move it into the spiritual realm. And Paul describes that in Ephesians 6, later on in this book, about that spiritual warfare that goes on. In the heavenlies, it says. Not among flesh and blood, in the heavenlies. So the the forces of evil and the forces of good are fighting for your soul every day. You know they are because you feel that battle, don't you? I mean, if you're tuned into the Lord, you feel the battle. So you've got a message, and the message has been mysterious, but you now have it revealed. Now, what's the motive behind it? It should be the grace of God that's moving in you. But under what power, what, what might do you have? Well, verse 7 gives us that. In verse 7, let's look at it again. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. You have the power because of Christ in you. And while Christ is in you, you've got the power to give it out. Ah, preacher, I, I, just, I, 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 don't know what to, I don't know what to say. I don't know. You don't have to know what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you what to say. How many of you have experienced that? Where you, you wanted to share, you weren't sure what to say, and all of a sudden, here it comes. Yeah. And when that happens, it's very humbling. Because you weren't prepared for that. And yet, God chose you at that moment to be the spokesperson for Him. That's very humbling. That's why I always encourage, if, if you've been a part of somebody coming to Christ to be baptized, I want you to do that. I want you to get in the water with them. I want you to be up there with them. Why? Because you need to experience that. It's not you. It's about you being a part of what God's doing in their, in their heart and in their soul for eternity. That's eternal business. When they head up to the water, that's eternal business. And I want you to be a part of that besides just sitting and watching. So if you've actively shared with them, I want you to be up there to be a part of it. Because it's so critical that you stay connected to that. Ran across a great story about a guy named Herbert Jackson. Who was telling uh, to a mission class at seminary this story of when he was a new missionary on the field. He was assigned a car that would not start without a push. Any of you ever had one of those? <laughs> I had the kind you had to push it yourself and jump in and keep going. It was a little Volkswagen. Any of you, had, you know, you could push those by yourself. But after pondering the problem, Jackson devised a plan. He went to a school near his home, got permission to take some children out of class, and had them push his car off. And as he made his rounds, he would either park on a hill or he'd leave the engine running. He thought, hey, that works pretty good. And he did that for about two years. Ill health forced uh, Jackson to, and his family to leave. And a new missionary came to the, that particular location. And when the Jackson uh, family 
left, uh, they proudly began to explain his arrangement, uh, Mr. Jackson's arrangement of how he got the car started to the new man. And that new man began to look under the hood. And before the explanation was completed, the new missionary interrupted. And he said, well, Mr. Jackson, I believe the only problem is this loose cable. <laughs> he gave the cable a twist, stepped into the car, pushed the switch, and to Herbert Jackson's astonishment, the engine roared to life. <laughs> so for two years, two years, needless trouble had become a routine. The power was there all the time. Only a loose connection kept him from putting the power to work. That's you and me. A loose connection with the Heavenly Father. A complacency. Well, somebody else will do it. Well, I'm not equipped. Well, I'm, 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 not, I'm not the paid, highly paid professional to do that. Perhaps you need to tighten the connection. Because you've got a message and it's not mysterious to you anymore. And you've got the motivation. It's called the cross. And so now you've got to tap into the power. Are you willing? Are you willing? Father, I ask you this morning, if there's somebody here today that needs to tap into your power, would they do it? Father, we, we've become complacent. We've become satisfied. We've become happy-go-lucky. We have the greatest message of all time. That is not a mystery to us anymore. Those of us that have tasted the salvation of Christ, the forgiveness and grace of, of your love and forgiveness should be motivation enough. But so often we lack the power because we have a loose connection. It's not that we're t- disconnected. It's just that our connection has gotten loose through complacency or apathy, lack of enthusiasm, lack of desire. Oh God, will we decide today, each of us individually, that we're going to be plugged into you and tighten, tighten the connection. Would there be one here today, Lord, that needs to make that first-time decision? Would you give them courage? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.